Welcome to a special video edition of the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina, and as always, we start with the scripture, and the scripture for today comes from Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And now, in honor of Father's Day, I have my dad on the podcast. Hi, my name is Lawrence. I'm so excited to be here to share my testimony. I hail from Indianapolis, Indiana. But to be quite honest, if I tell you my whole testimony, I'm from a lot of different places. The military took me all over the country, overseas, even into combat zones. Um, so many places I could start, so many things I could say. Uh, as a young man, I got married to my dream come true. We were young and, you know, traveling in the military. And we kind of waited intentionally before we would start our family, start having children. And after we waited a, a period of time, um, it was time for us to go ahead and start our family. And we find out that Yes, we're pregnant and we're going to have our first child. And our first child was a boy. The excitement of a young man my age having a son. One of those beat your chest kind of moments, uh, throw your hands up in the air and shout glory, hallelujah kind of moments. Um, I'm having a son. Often it's traditions in my family that the second son is always named after the father. But I didn't follow that path. I decided that I'm going to name my first son after me, Lawrence Paul Martin II. We didn't really like to use Junior, and we used to call him Little Lawrence. I get this call. Um, I was a specialist at the time, Specialist Martin. Um, you're going to have to go back to the rear. Um, something is going on with your son. So I remember getting on the back of this two-and-a-half-ton truck, and it was freezing cold, um, riding back maybe a couple of hours to get back um, to where I was actually living. I get to my wife and my wife is having some challenges because um, our son is, is gotten to a point where he was walking. Now he's not quite two, about a year and a half, a um, few months before being two. And all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about his stomach hurting. My wife is taking him to the military hospital on several occasions. Um, they said that he was constipated. And they had all these other different theories, but my wife doesn't take no for an answer. And she was very persistent, so much to the point that they really got tired of her coming and thought she was just an overprotective, overconcerned parent. And uh, to make the story a little bit shorter, um, we took him off of the installation and took him to a German hospital. Now, we don't speak German very well, but we took him to a German hospital, thinking that perhaps um, they would really dig into it and not just push us off as another military family and just um, over-concerned parents. And we go to the German hospital, and the first thing they did was drew some blood. They drew some blood, and they said his blood is kaput, which means broken. That was the best way they can explain it. We didn't speak enough German to really communicate um, uh, with them, and they didn't speak enough English to communicate with, with us, but we understood that kaput meant broken. And... Long and short of it, we found out that our son had cancer. He had a cancer that was called a neuroblastoma. You can imagine um, the hurt, the pain, uh, the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness 
that can come in and press upon you when you hear that C word, that dreaded C word. And, and it, was, it was really, really startling. This is my first son, um, and I don't know what to do. I don't know anything about the medic profession, medical profession. And sim- simply, all we really could do was pray and trust God and just trust God that he was going to work it out. So we end up um, convincing the military that we want to go back to the United States. My wife had prayed, and during that prayer, um, she tells me that the Lord just just told her, plain and simple, that you know I'm coming to get him. And so we wanted to get him back to the United States so he could see um, his grandparents while he was yet alive. I remember even my brother uh, flew in. We flew into um, Washington, and we went to um, Walter Reed Army Medical Center, and we stayed in the Ronald McDonald House. We were there for about eight days, and every day we would just see how uh, little Lawrence was doing. By this time, he wasn't walking anymore uh, because the neuroblastoma actually wrapped around through his abdomen, and he had uh, this growth that was like the size of a football. And here we have an, an infant um, um, toddler. He's not even two yet, and he has this large mass in his stomach. It looked as though he was pregnant almost, and um, he couldn't walk anymore, so we would spend time with him. Um, carry him around the ward if he felt up to it, and basically just really spend time with him, holding him, and just talking to him and spending time with him, praying, and going through all of that. But I remember we would come back every night, every evening, to the Ronald McDonald House, and it was customary for us just to, they had a piano there, and we would gather around the piano. And it was really incredible because we would see families, and all of the people in the Ronald McDonald House have family members with significant, severe illnesses, uh, families with terminal, uh, terminal family members, and they were staying in the Ronald McDonald house. And we would just begin to play, and the people would come around the piano. And it seemed like they would just feel comfort as we were singing um, hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Oftentimes, people would come and say, do you know this song? And I would always have my handy-dandy hymnal with me. And oftentimes I may have been unfamiliar with the song, but I played by ear for the most part. So I would just ask them, just start singing it and I'll see if I can find it. And oftentimes we would just do that and we would be around the piano um, for undetermined periods of time. And the people's spirit were uplifted while we were there in the Ronald McDonald house. And so day after day we would do that in the evenings and people would gather around and just God used us to spread the spirit of joy, the spirit of love, uh, the spirit of Christ right there in the Ronald McDonald house. And unfortunately, a few days later, on the eighth day, our son took his last breath in the Ronald McDonald house. I remember being in the Ronald McDonald house. I remember my wife. She is such a, an anointed person and minister of God. She was always going around the ward and ministering to other people. Uh, So much so that at the time when I could tell that something was wrong with little Lawrence, I had to go find her and bring her back. And she ministered to so many people and so many people that she ministered to actually left with their loved ones and left the hospital. But God had already gave us a warning that he was coming to get him. And we found some contentment in that because we knew uh, based on what God had told us. So it wasn't like we had any false hope, uh, but we kind of heard from the Lord and we knew um, what was imminent. 
But at that time, I went and got her, and I remember her picking him up and holding him um, in her arms, and I held him in my arms for a period of time. My mother was there. Her mother was there. And, um, and I remember, um, I don't know how the system works. I don't know how the system works, but I remember we went and sat in the hallway as they were doing what hospital people do to try to prolong life. And they were doing all of those things, and we kind of excused ourselves out of the room. And I remember we were sitting in the hall, and they have people to come by, chaplains and what have you. They want to know what our mental state is, because at that time, we couldn't cry. And it was, it was a weird thing as I look back on it. Um, I couldn't cry. My wife didn't cry. We were there. There was a kind of a numbness and a kind of a blank look on our face. Um, and we weren't extremely responsive. We didn't want to talk. I mean, this is one of the saddest moments we've ever experienced in our lives. And so people were asking me, is she okay? And I said, she's okay. You just don't know who she knows, how she knows him. And I remember going back to the Ronald McDonald house that day that he died. We went to our room and we laid down and we just were pretty silent. And my wife was expressing to me, I can't believe this is real. And she said, just, just slap me. I, this can't be real. And um, I'm thinking to myself, really? That's really what you want? And uh, I gave her a little love tap. Don't know anybody report me. I gave her a little love tap because that's what she asked for. But we came to the realization that this is real. This is not a dream. We are wide awake. And this really did happen. And then the next thing she said uh, to me was paramount. She said, do you mind going downstairs and getting on the piano? And let's just sing and worship God. And so we went downstairs. And it's interesting because someone must have already sent the report back to the Ronald McDonald House manager. And he'd already told all of the people there, don't ask, because it was common when people come back, how's your family members doing? How's little Lawrence doing? How's Sam doing? How's Samantha doing? I mean, that was common for us to ask those questions, but he must have told them um, not to ask that question because he already knew that our son had went on to be with the Lord. So we gathered around the piano and we began to sing and praise and magnify God as we always did. And uh, we praised him from our heart. And um, it was a wonderful experience. The people were gathered around and many people were crying and sobbing and, and singing with us and just being there to support us. But one of the things that really stood out to me is that there's a passage of scripture that talks about God giving us the peace that passes understanding. And I'd heard that scripture many times before and I've heard it many times afterwards. But now in the life that I'm living now, because I went through that, I experienced the kind of peace that God could give someone that passes understanding. And it was amazing. It was a comfort there. It was, uh, it was an embracing there that God gave us in that moment that didn't let us just fall apart and fall to pieces, but we were able to still go and be an inspiration and an instrument to give God praise. And it lifted the spirits of those around uh, in the Ronald McDonald house. As we were getting ready to leave, the, Ronald McDonald, the manager of the Ronald McDonald house, and I don't remember his name, um, he said that all of the years that he's managed the Ronald McDonald House, he's never seen so much uh, joy and happiness amongst these people who are grieving because they're dealing with all of these challenges in their life. But God taught us something extremely special uh, during those times. We can trust him even in the hardest times that we are facing. And even when we're going through, God is with us. Even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. And um, even the, the Bible talks about he would not put more on us than we can bear. And oftentimes we don't know how much we can bear. Uh, but God allowed us to see that we could bear more than we thought if we had a thought in our mind that something like this would happen. 
Um, he, we, would, we wouldn't have known that we could bear this, but God took us through it and we were able to bear it. And we praise God because even in the midst of that, our praise didn't fail. Our worship didn't fail because we trusted God. We didn't blame God. We never accused him falsely. Um, we're familiar with the story of Job. Uh, but on the other side of that, it's really, really wonderful because after a few years later, and we went through some other ups and downs, um, trying to get pregnant and have more children, and it was really, really a tumultuous, challenging time. But somewhere along the line, we were prophesied to saying that we would have another son. And lo and behold, we got pregnant again, and, but it wasn't a son. You know, when you get that prophecy and the prophecy doesn't come out just the way we think it's going to come out. And then we have that doubt in the prophet that the prophet wasn't a true prophet. So we have our daughter. The wonderful thing about my daughter is she was born on my birthday. And so she's a special, special uh, child. And God blessed me uh, with a wonderful daughter. And I'm so proud of what Martina is doing. If I had more time, I'd really go into the depths of what happened with her birth because it wasn't um, it wasn't all peaches and cream. I was there in the delivery room. I'll just tell you a brief piece of it. I was there in the delivery room. The biblical cord wrapped around her neck twice. When she came out, her color was bluish, not the brownish uh, caramel color that she is today. And she wasn't crying. But I remember when they plopped on the table, all of a sudden we heard that <coughs> sound that every parent wants to hear uh, when the child is born. And here she is today. And then a little bit later, then we had our son, David. And so I have two living children right now, and I'm, I'm thankful uh, for our first child, Lawrence. But through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon his word. And even though I go through sorrows and ups and downs and mountains and, and valleys, I've learned through the course of life that I can still trust God. And I'm really, really happy that this is a Father's Day because I remember the first Father's Day after my son passed, it wasn't pleasant when people would say Happy Father's Day because I was no longer a father at that time. But I'm really, really joyous and happy right now because when people say Happy Father's Day, I can smile knowing that I have two wonderful children in Martina and David. Listen, it's been my pleasure to share this testimony with you. Um, thank you for this time. So uh, thanks, Dad, for coming on to the podcast, this special first ever video experiment of the podcast. So I think it's turning out great. So thank you for that. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how important it was to have already had a relationship with God when this huge life altering situation hit your life? Um, like if this had happened five years prior, would you have been able to handle it the same way, do you think? That's a great question. And, um, you know, it's challenging as we deal with the different situations we're dealing with in life how God is always preparing us right now for something that we may not be able to handle in the future. So I'd like to say that the things that I went through, I never thought I would make it through basic training. Uh, would have never known that was even in my future. Didn't even want to be in the military, but my, my wife made me do it. And, uh, but through it all, and I was raised in the church. And so I'm really grateful for that foundation that I had. I sang in the youth choir. I remember being in the third grade, singing in the youth choir. So the praise and worship was putting me way back in the third grade my mom always had a piano. My aunt would play the piano at my house. And so all of that was foundational. Going to Sunday school was foundational to me having the scripture and having the relationship with God that gave me 
the ability to trust him enough, even in the midst of hard times, because a lot of people, when they don't have a relationship, the first thing they do is blame God. But because I had a relationship, I think that's kind of what sustained us, both of us together uh, through that process. And having a saved wife who is powerful as well, when one is feeling a little down, the other one, you know, so we can kind of lift one another. So, yeah, absolutely. Having that relationship was paramount to us navigating through that the way we did. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, mom because uh, there, it seemed like there was a couple times where she was the, she was the one who got the word that God was going to take him. Absolutely. And then what else did she do? She was the one to... She was the one to really um, spearhead and press the military to get us back to the United States um, so that our family you know, yeah. could see him alive still. Yep. So, yeah, talk about how important it is through life's ups and downs to have someone who's, you know, we'll, we'll say equally yoked. <laughs> <laughs> well, equally yoked, that's, that's a good expression in the Bible. But the truth about it, and most men will tell you, that women, because of their sensitivity to God, um, their emotional makeup versus a man who is trained to be non-emotional and to be very logical, um, whereas women are, are the nurturing, it's, it's just common for them to be nurturing. And so because of that, I think that women inherently have ability to connect to God easier and in a different way. Whereas men, you know, we, we don't want to show that emotion. We don't want to express. And oftentimes we don't want to uh, really press in. And so having, having her on board uh, was critically important. Uh, and, and to be quite honest, you know, as a young man, you know that women mature faster than men. So I still have some maturing to do. And having her there as a mature woman of God to, uh, to be able to hear clearly from God, because if I had heard that same message, I'm like, oh, no, no, God, uh -uh, no, that can't happen. God, please, you can turn around. I'm going to turn my face to the wall. Uh, give, give him seven more years. I mean, I, I it would have been a whole different thing. But because she heard it and then me hearing her voice um, telling me what God had expressed, it made it easier for me to endure it. And, um, yeah, just having, having that saved partner is critically important to navigating all of the things we go through in life. So did you ever feel like Abraham and Isaac kind of like, maybe this is a test. God's not really going to take them. Like, let's just keep the faith. Let, let's keep believing. We're going to get there. And then God's going to say, oh, man, your faith is great. You know, here's a ram in the bush. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a good question. I can't, I can't say that I really felt like the Abraham and Isaac kind of situation. Um, I guess I was pretty, pretty uh, firm in understanding, I guess. Understanding understanding and accepting that's that's the challenge sometimes being able to accept what god says because once we accept what god says then there's really no second guessing uh when i was in iraq and bullets were flying by and bombs blowing up ground shaking and all that kind of stuff i already had a prophecy with some promises of things that i had not yet accomplished so it was easy for me to stand in the bomb shelter at times i remember one particular time on a sunday and the bombs were blowing up and people were all fearful. I had to leave church service. I was more upset because I had to leave church service and get back to my unit area. And I'm in the bunker and people are, you know, seeming a little nervous and stuff. And I'm just really, really calm. And I told them, I said, listen, we are not going to die today. The reason we're not going to die today is because God gave me a promise and that promise has not been fulfilled yet. So I trust God that we are getting out of here. As long as I'm in the shelter, nothing's going to happen to this shelter right here. And so it's kind of the same way uh, with little Lawrence. I heard 
um, through my wife what God said. And once I accepted it, then it was easy for me to move on. If I had not accepted it, if somewhere in the back of my mind I was saying, oh, no, that can't be true. This is my first son. Oh, no, she don't know what she's talking about. She didn't went over the deep end. I mean, I could have went through all of those things, but I didn't. You know, it was, it was accepting kind of thing. Obviously, I was prayerful about it. And, and sometimes the accepting is more of a peace that comes on you than, you know, the audible, and God said. It, you know, it was just a, a peace in accepting um, the voice of the Lord and what he said and I was okay with that. I never like second guessed it or thought that at the last minute there was going to be a ram in the bush or, or something, some miracle. I, I just, you know, we just, we heard the Lord and, and, and to be quite honest, you know, people talk, pray about healing all the time. They always pray about healing, but I think the most healed state that a human being can ever be in is when they leave here, they're with God. God gives them a new body, a body that won't feel pain anymore, a body that I don't even know if they'll have tear ducts anymore because... In heaven, that's the place where we can rejoice and just be with God forevermore. So my perspectives are slightly a little bit different, and I know he's in a better place. I know that he's healed. Where he's at, there's no cancer there, and he's probably just singing uh, songs of praise and looking down on us. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So can you talk a little bit about distinguishing the worth of God from the situations that we face um, so that our worship isn't based on you know, if we're having a good day or not, can you talk a little bit about how you guys were able to um, keep worshiping God through everything? Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question because oftentimes our worship can waver depending upon our relationship. But it's really about relationship. When you have a relationship with God and you come to a place of trusting God and when you get beyond the place of praise is what I do to praise is who I am, um, I'll praise him while I can. Um, you know, I bless them at all times. Um, that's a whole different thing. And so knowing who God is and then being able to trust him, because I've songwriter said I had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I had some weary days and some sleepless nights. But when I look around and think things over, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. But that only can happen when we have a relationship with God that says, I'm going to trust you. Even when I can't trace you, I'm going to trust you. Even in my tribulations, I'm going to trust you even in my trials, and though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that's kind of the place we've come to, and we've been through a lot of ups and downs, but through it all, um, we're still trusting God and that relationship, and trusting him allows us to worship him even in the bad days. Sometimes when the times get bad, that's when the worship comes out the more. You get down and you start crying, start out crying, Lord, oh God, what am I, and then all of a sudden worship just comes out because of relationship. So it's the relationship that, that makes all the difference in the world. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Dad. Um, if you guys can't tell, my dad's a preacher. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and I'm so proud of what you're doing, and I'm so thankful. I've heard all the other testimonies of how this is really blessing the people of God. It's a wonderful thing. Hey, guys, so I hope you enjoyed this special first edition live podcast for Father's Day. Um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to you, Dad. Thank you, daughter. Thank you. Um, so why don't you tell the people the story about how I got my name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was coming. Um, let me just start first by saying happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And to some of those of you whose fathers are not around anymore, um, I just pray that God will continue to um, hold you in the hollow of his hand and 
give you peace even in times like this. So let me let me talk about Mart Martina. So I said in the testimony that I, my first son passed. So we have Martina, and pregnancies were really really hard on my wife. I mean, she couldn't eat anything through her whole pregnancy. Unlike most people, she actually lost weight when she was pregnant every time. And so just seeing her go through all of that, and here I have my, my daughter, uh, and we're trying to think, think about a name. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, listen, even if, even if, it's, if it's a girl, I, I still got to have some way to have the name carry on. You know, and we want my daughter to be married and change her last name at some point in time. So we said, hey, there's one way to fix it. We're going to name her Martin with an A, Martina. And so Martin's name will still go on, even if she has a different last name. <laughs> <laughs> so if I marry somebody with the last name of Martin and somehow we're not related, my first name will be in vain. So, so if there's anyone last name Martin, sorry, it's off limits. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, would you believe that mom wanted to name me Angelica? Angelica. Angelica. Doesn't quite match. Ugh, Doesn't quite fix. Mar Martina, <laughs> Martina or Tina, as we commonly, it works perfectly fine. It fits. Fits like a glove. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's all I have for you guys today. Um, so lucky for you guys, you get three episodes in a seven-day span. You got Wednesday, you got today, and then you got one coming on Wednesday. So I hope you guys like this, and uh, stay tuned for Wednesday's episode. Peace.